I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Welcome back to Align Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. In today's tremendous episode, I got to have Mike Catherwood on. Mike is a legendary radio personality. He was on Kevin and Bean radio show. Um, he co-hosts Loveline with Dr. Drew. He also co-hosts Swole Patrol, a uh, podcast with Dr. Drew. And uh, just super genuine, amazing, intelligent human being. I'm really grateful to have had him on. I uh, just watched his uh, Dancing with the Stars video on YouTube. I highly recommend checking that out. I think he danced to The Boys Are Back in Town, amongst probably other stuff. Um, really great conversation. In this one, we get into how to be an effective personality in radio, TV, life. We got into his journey around drug addiction and uh, a lot of really good stuff. Morning routines, really great, casual, fun conversation. Hope you guys enjoy. Thank you so much for tuning into the website, aligntherapy.com. If you were drawn to that, it's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. You can start the five-day movement challenge. On there, you will learn the fundamentals of how to integrate optimal movement into everything that you're doing through the day. Every moment can be like a gym experience or a yoga experience if we know the basic fundamentals. So that breaks that down. So aligntherapy.com. Five Day Movement Challenge. Uh, thank you guys so much for reviews on iTunes. If y'all leave us a review and I read it like I'm about to do, uh, super simple to do. It's just on your phone. You just scroll down to reviews and put five stars, ideally, in there. Um, we will send you out a box of something from on it. I'm pulling up a review here. Uh, this is from Duncan VH, only podcast I listen to, five stars. When Aaron converses with his guests, it's obvious that he takes his time beforehand researching and formulating sincerely interesting and thought-provoking questions. His experience and amiable personality allows his guests to open up and creates a truly unique dynamic to any other podcast that I've listened to. Uh, he goes on with some other great stuff. Thank you for that. Hit us up at Align Band or Align Podcast on Instagram, and we will send you out something excellent from on it. And I think that will wrap us up. Uh, final little thing. I just signed final contractual stuff with publishers and uh, book is coming spring 2020. Uh, if you guys have any things that you would love to see in the upcoming book, please hit me up on Adeline Podcast and um, entertaining any ideas that would be valuable for y'all. So that's what we got. Enjoy this conversation. I hope you have an excellent day. Back to the show. Aline Podcast. So when was the last time you did body work, rolfing stuff? You said six years. Maybe... God, yeah, maybe four or five years ago. All right. Somewhere in that ballpark. What do you think of body work? It doesn't have to be like a shameless plug for me. I love it. I'm a big, I'm a big believer. I'm a big believer. I, it's one of those things like everyone has the nuts and bolts of their training routine. People who live a quote-unquote active lifestyle. Yeah. For some people, yoga is what they get to every day and, you know, they should be Maybe they should be doing some resistance training, but they only do it once or twice a week. Or maybe if that, for me, it was always like lifting weights was the thing that was never going to, that was invariable. I was always going to be lifting weights. I should be doing movement. I should be doing body work. I know that, but that I never <laughs> end up getting into it, you know? Um, yeah. And I feel like, I mean, you know, I always got more and more in, involved in things like yoga and breath work um 
the more and more I got into martial arts. Yeah. Things like that become just, they become apparent how important they are. Flexibility, breath work, uh, body awareness. You know, it's, it's not so much just about like your six pack or the size of your arms, you know, how'd you get that discovery? Cause that's, I think like a traditionally men just speaking for myself started off. Like you just want muscles, superficial vanity. Right. And then eventually it's usually you end up banging your, your head against a wall enough that you need to figure out the whole, like the softer side of it. I, I, I came to it in a kind of a roundabout way. I, I think most people come to it in a more direct fashion. They discover its importance. They, maybe they grow up a little bit and they realize there's more important factors to health. I mean, obviously muscle is an important factor in to longevity and health. I, yeah. I don't want to overlook that. But, um, for me, it was more about, I had crippling, crippling body image issues. When I got into recovery, when I got, you know, sober, hopefully, you know, knock on wood for good. I, this is about 16 years ago. I was a young man. I was 22, 23 years old. Um, I had, I had crippling body image issues. I mean, I just wouldn't take my shirt off uh, even at a pool party. I, I never went to the beach and I grew up in Southern California. Um, and so I thought, well, I'll deal with it head on. And I got into bodybuilding, which, and this isn't a knock on bodybuilding by any stretch. Um, just for me, someone who had body image issues and eat and going into it with a, a pretty unhealthy relationship with food because I was an alcoholic and a stimulant addict. Um, I, I then dove right into something that its sole endeavor is based around your appearance. Hmm. It turned out to be <laughs> the worst thing I could do because then I just became more and more obsessive about my appearance, weighing myself all the time, weighing my food constantly. Um, weighing your food all, all the time, weighing my food, taking uh, Tupperware everywhere I went, you know, and seemingly the more and more muscular or lean I got, the farther I felt like I had to go. Right. It was this never ending pot at the end of the rainbow. And the, it turned out the rainbow was never ending. Um, so I got into therapy, I changed therapists and I, I started to dive into it and really, frankly, invest myself in therapy a little bit more. And I started to explore alternate type of um, fit, forms of fitness. And one of the first things on the top of the list was martial arts because uh, my therapist, and I think rightly, figured that it would be good because there's a, on top of um, discipline and be, being physically active, it, there's a sense of camaraderie. Yeah. Um, you go in there and you could train with a bunch of other guys and gals and, and start to develop a network of friends because I was so isolated. I was such an isolated person. I worked in radio. Um, I was always by myself and I liked it that way. And it, right around the time I was going through, uh, my metamorphosis into Mr. Bodybuilder guy into a guy who was going to explore other things, I was going through a divorce. So I was just, just painfully alone. Mm. Um, and it, it, it really opened up my eyes to a lot of things. And then, and because of the physical aspect of it, of moving my body in a different way that subsequently got me into things like surfing and, and yoga, but the emotional aspect, the psychological aspect, the benefit of it was I, I started to learn to like, to get to know people, right. you know, that, that was huge. The idea that I would want to get to know different people as opposed to doing anything I possibly could to shield myself from getting to know anyone 
having to deal with the people I already knew. It's like, oh, well, they're my coworkers. I mean, I got to talk to them. Oh, it's my mom and dad. I mean, I kind of got to talk. I open up my eyes to the idea that, no, maybe it, it's kind of a good thing to get to know a bunch of different people and to meet new people and to yeah. try to be friendly. That's pretty much, is that like a one-to-one to starting to be willing to get to know yourself? Then you start getting to know the people around or is that? Yeah, I mean, or not so I've much? certainly, I, I've gotten a lot better at getting to know people than I've gotten with getting to know myself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I mean, I still, am, and I, maybe, maybe it's a part of addiction um, because I spent so much of my formative years in an uh, inebriated state. Right. A lot of the stuff that kids do to kind of get to realize who they are, I just bypassed all of it. I just, you know, I was never life of the party guy. Chris, I was, Chris Bell told me something about that. He said that when, which I don't necessarily think I agree with, <laughs> but he said when drug addicts during that time that they were drug addicts, they, they, they say that essentially like, psychological maturation doesn't happen during that time frame. Yeah, it can, so if, it can stunt you. If you're a drug addict for 15 years and all of a sudden you get sober at 35, it's like at 35 you're essentially 20. Right, right. I don't think I agree with well, that. Well, I'm yeah, who knows if if it's if that's exactly what happens, but I do know for me really starting to drink and use heavily at 16, 17 and then coming out of it at 23 or 22 something like that. That was like a real important time, I think, when you're as far as self-discovery. Yeah. All of my friends who went to college, who did things, who tried to uh, create a career for themselves, who got to know their future wife, whatever it may be. They had these collections of mistakes that built up. Uh, they built up a lot of kind of self-knowledge and they, uh, self-awareness from these ups and downs that they went through. And I, I avoided all of it. I just, it was just locked away in, in hotel rooms and, and bedroom and apartments, just drinking and using. Wow. I, like I said, I wasn't, I didn't, it didn't come with like any of the euphoric benefit. Like a lot of times that drug addiction gets romanticized, you know, with in the movies, I wasn't some bon vivant who was going around holding court at different bars and clubs. I was, I isolated, I isolated and mm. that was all I had. Wow. So I do think that there's become now, for me, at least this self-imposed race to kind of find out who I am. And it's uh, it's been hard because I, I, I think I'm because I've been so hard on myself. It's like, no, self-awareness, self-discovery, self-awareness, self-discovery. It's forced myself to kind of spin around it and maybe alter what that that is from day to day, you know, because I'm so pressured on it when it should be kind of something that's a little bit more organic. Mm. but the get to knowing other people too. I mean, I can honestly say it's like, I, it's enjoyable for me to meet new people and it's a nice to be around people. I, I embrace living in an overpopulated area yeah, <laughs> as right. opposed to, uh, you know, bemoan it. What was the psychotherapy stuff that you were doing? And that was beneficial. Um, or a lot of cognitive behavioral, cognitive behavioral therapy, okay. you know, really, really working hard at understanding that my thoughts create my emotions, not vice versa. Yeah. You know, I don't just wake up in a bad mood that I have control over it and that my thoughts are something that I can really take control of. And it's, you know, that's the more of the woo woo kind of hippie aspect of it. But it's a real thing. positive thinking really is a 
important aspect to being a happy person. And uh, there's inevitably bad things are going to happen. I'm a human being. You lose a job or you get in a fight with your wife, whatever. I mean, these are the things that sometimes get me down, but I have control over how I react to that. I have control over depression, anxiety. Um, These are things that, that I'm the master of and I'm not beholden to them. Yeah. Do you have like like routines that have been helpful for you, like a morning thing or a nighttime thing? Or my morning routine, my morning routine's pretty, it's pretty rigid, and it's meditate. It's the first thing I do when I wake up is meditate cool. every day. Next thing I do is write in my gratitude journal. Good. Which one? Uh, I use the five minute journal, dude. Yeah. I got mine sitting right over here, Alex Icon. There it is. I've been, I was IG messaging with Icon yesterday. Nice. We're gonna get him on here. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> He's awesome. never out here though. He's in like he's all over the place. Do you follow his Instagram stories? No, no. he's fucking everywhere. That's another thing is like I've tried to not <laughs> not invest myself in Instagram. You don't want to do it. Well, because it certainly it hurts my self discovery quest. Because then really? I start. Well, because I then I start to let every what everyone else's idea of what is good or bad seep in. Yeah, you know. There's very few people that I'm actually excited to kind of like check into. Yeah. I try to use it responsibly. Yeah, hey, I, I, a lot That's of times, I, I, I say now, look, Twitter's for my brain, Instagram's for my boner. <laughs> That's it. That's good. That's it. I now I exclusively, yeah, I exclusively fair. follow like IG models, good. and Victoria's Secret models, good. and fitness chicks that do squats and thongs, and that's perfect. That's it. That's it. And then Instagram, excuse me, Twitter. I follow people. And no one's gonna troll or say negative things. Not even comics that I like. I just follow news sources, and I just I use it for information. I use Instagram for my boner. I gotta, I gotta get on your Instagram. Mine's, yeah. mine's bullshit. It's no, just I Alex don't. Icon driving around Paris. <laughs> <laughs> it's nonsense. Yeah, I mean, I, can, I, I got, I was getting a little bit overloaded with like the positive thinking or right. the, you know, following so many different like self help people and movement coaches and bodybuilders and strength trainers and MMA fighters. And it was just like this constant information overload. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with, I mean, that's like maybe the most beautiful thing about the internet is get access to, I I, I would kill to get access to what Trent Reznor was doing. Right. When I was 16. I would kill to be able to like, just like, Oh my God, he's in Paris. Look at nine inch nails about to go on stage. Um, but I, I, I found myself like almost with a hunger for information and it became too much. It just, I needed to check out, yeah. tune out a little bit. And so now that that's all I do. But my getting back to my routine, it's meditate 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes a night. But the first thing I do every day is I wake up, my wife and I wake up at the same time. I go in the living room. She stays in the bedroom. We both meditate, write in my journal and then, you know, fire up the, the kettle Get it going, maybe a little tea, a little coffee, depending on how I'm feeling, and then kind of plan out how things are going to go. Cool. That's a that's my morning routine. What about nighttime? Nighttime, it's right right in the journal on the heel and on the heels of my nighttime meditation, which is probably got pushed a little too late in my opinion. But I I always now I just have to wait till my daughter goes to sleep because I'm, there's no meditation when you have a four year old. Right. Like so, she has to check out completely. Then I can meditate. Then I write, you know, the things I'm grateful for that, and all the amazing things that happened that day. Yeah, dude. Then, I find it super helpful. 
I yeah. find it, it aggregates. Like I find like the more that I have gratitude for the stuff. Right. At first it was, it was hard to like re- remember what I was grateful for. Or whatever. Sure. I was like, what did I mean? I had like the sandwich was good, whatever bullshit. Yeah, and and then, that, it, then it starts to add up. You're like, Oh, there's a lot of good stuff going on. And then you start to get angry. If you, if you don't do it in a very regiment way, then it starts to become stupid and frustrating. Right. You're like, well, what, what am I grateful for today? Right. You're like, oh, that sandwich. What am I doing? I'm getting grateful for a sandwich. That's fucking stupid. My life sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas opposed to if you sit down and you write it down, it's like, no, let's take a break. Let's write this down. And I, a lot of times I get more heady. You know, it used to be I just write, I, I'm grateful that I have my hair, you know, yeah. you know, I, which I am. I, I'm, I'm going, I'm at that age where a lot of my friends are struggling with that. I'm fucking grateful that I get to keep my hair, you know? Yeah. Uh, but now it's getting more heady. It's things like I'm, I'm grateful for my daughter's innocence. I'm grateful that right. my wife is so supportive that she doesn't get upset that I'm this depressive mess. <laughs> How often do you deal with the depression stuff now? How often is it still like, oh, there it is? I would say daily. Yeah, really? I mean, but, but it's like I deal with it daily, but now instead of being this lean in shape opponent, it's like the over-the-hill fighter who should have given up a long time ago, and right. I'm the lean and shape guy. Right, it's still talking shit, but you're yeah. like... Yeah, and, and it, don't get me wrong. I, I know somewhere back there he has the right cross as a widowmaker, right. but he's fat, and he hasn't fought in, you know professionally in, in two years, and he's trying to make a comeback. Wow, that's good. You know, so. That's a hell of an analogy. Yeah, thank you. That was legit. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do when you get into those places where you start to feel like the dark, the dark widowmaker? I, pa- I, 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 I literally pause. When I, when I say that, I mean, if I'm driving, I'll pull over. Mm. If I, you know, and, I, and I'll say, stop it. I'll turn off the music, whatever I'm doing, and I'll, I'll pause. If I'm at home, I, I'll go in a room where I can be by, by myself, put the phone over, whatever, put the guitar down, and sit there and, and pause and say, what are my... What are my emotions right now okay what was the thinking that led to these emotions and then just kind of reverse engineer it you know or take take that dish apart so that i could find out every ingredient yeah and then i remove the ingredients that are making this dish bad you know that's the way i look at it have you ever heard of kintsugi Mm -mm. this is a complete random 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 tangent but kintsugi is a japanese practice pottery thing where then when they break the pot you said the dish oh yeah where they highlight in gold and then they emblaze it in gold yeah i have heard about that it's kind of a cool thing so it's kind of like embracing the bullshit of our lives it's like fuck yeah the bullshit like that's it's i'm proud of the the breakage and, and it's true like instead of instead of trying to pretend like those cracks don't exist yeah like just wear them yeah you do that i i kind of do yeah i mean i certainly you're kintsugi yeah well i i think that i i've been very lucky that you know the radio that i've done and then the type of radio i've done it's kind of forced me to be that guy you know up to be to expose my own vulnerabilities if i'm going to host an advice show with a doctor and i'm not a doctor i'm not a nothing i have zero <laughs> i have zero credentials as far as why you should listen to me when I give you advice, the only thing I do have is I've made all those mistakes before and more. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't, that's not currency to me unless I'm open about it, you know? So that was something that I think I found value in that, that Kintsugi kind of happened. I was almost forced to forced into it. If I wasn't vulnerable and open about my mistakes and about what was troubling me, people would have taken it as total bullshit. Mm. So how do you finagle your way into that position being a, not a doctor? I got into radio um, right after I got clean. I mean, right after. Because I, I, I always dreamed 
of being a musician. I wanted to be a rock star. That was what I wanted to do. But the rock star lifestyle got a hold of me more so than actual music. Right. So when I got clean, I moved back to L.A. here where I'm from. And uh, kind of with hat in hand, my parents helped me out. Um, I was open about the fact that I was like, my life had become completely, completely unmanageable with drugs and alcohol. Um, so I got a job at K rock, the rock, the alternative rock station here, um, as a straight job. I thought, oh, I'm going to get my life back on track and I'm going to start joining bands and I'm going to gig and I'm going to be this huge rock star, but I'll do this cause it's a way better job than like swinging a hammer or pumping gas, which is, you know, really, I, I was, I was a blue collar guy. That's all I had credentials for. Um, so I got a job there just kind of lifting boxes and sweeping up the station and I started prank calling the morning show and writing parody songs and stuff that I would submit to them. And after like eight or nine months of doing that, they hired me <laughs> kind of reluctantly. <laughs> and so I started working for the Kevin and Bean morning show. And then about, uh, seven years into that, Adam Carolla had left love line on, you know, which was the nighttime show on the same station. Um, and so they needed a, a co-host to, alongside Dr. Drew, and that's how I kind of weasel my way in there. Whoa. Yeah. Huh. Well, how many points throughout that time frame were you, you had have been planning on giving up, I would imagine, several times along the way, or not so much? Yeah. No, definitely. Early on, when I, when I got, first got hired by the morning show, I was cutting up tape. Um, I was editing things, you know, taking out the coughing and the ums and ahs out of stuff so that we could replay it the next day. Um, I was going to find old tape so that we could pull a sound bite. I mean, I was doing the, you know, going, getting the bagels and coffee, the most non-glorious stuff. And I was getting paid absolute shit money. And not that that's like, you know, the of paramount importance, but I started to think about it, like, how am I going to make a career out of this? How am I going to make a living? I, I had no, really no hope for transitioning into being an on-air personality. Um, and so there was, yeah, I mean, almost daily I was thinking to myself, like, I, I thought, well, I might as well just get in the fitness industry because I was doing working as a personal trainer on the side to make actual money so that I could pay my rent and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I thought, well, I'll just have to make that my career. I didn't really want to, but I thought that I thought for sure that that was going to happen. You know? Yeah. I, I would imagine probably a, a good percentage of people that listen to this probably are, go through similar situations like that, where it's like, well, I just give up. I think it's like, uh, to me, hearing you say that to me, is like inspirational just, just to listen to kind of like, we're all probably going through little moments of that even right now. Absolutely. You Absolutely. Know, it's like a perpetual thing. I mean, I thank you for saying that. I mean, I hope it could be uh, I, the idea of me being inspirational to anyone is like so flattering. Uh, it means a lot to me, but there was, you know, a point where I, Joan Rivers, I heard her talk about it. You know, she was a woman, God rest her soul, but towards the end of her life, she had become wildly popular again, but there was t two decades yeah. where she couldn't, she couldn't get hired to do anything. I mean, people wouldn't hire her. To, she wouldn't even, she couldn't even appear on talk shows. Yeah. Um, and in the seventies, you're talking about one of the most important comedians on the planet, certainly the most important female voice in comedy in the world. Um, and then she goes through the eighties and nineties. So she couldn't, she couldn't find anything. And she talked about, she's like, 
the music stops, but you just got to keep dancing. You just got <laughs> you just got to keep going no matter what, no matter. And that's what separates the people who make it and the people who don't. Is that everyone encounters those times when you want to stop, but if you if you really believe in it, you can just you got to keep going. Have you ever read through the Bhagavad Gita at all? Any no, I mean I'm familiar with it, but I haven't. You know. So there's one. Oh snap! I'm gonna forget his name. Uh, Ak- Akwan Eswaran. I need I need a red tape cutter to to cut out my my forgets ecton equan s run i don't know what it is but sounds good yeah it's good that's what i'm parts the right the first part i'm not sure but one of the things that he gets into there is the the renunciation is like one of the highlighting points of it you know so renunciating one of the big renunciations is your attachment to the outcome of of the the stuff that you do Mm. you know so it's like if you're really passionate about the thing that you're doing then whether it fails or you know does great or you know whatever it's just that you really enjoyed the experience of being there, you know. And so, it being, to me, I feel like living in L.A. There's a lot of attachment to the outcome of like what people are going to think, and yeah, and it creates a lot of fucking like stress, like turmoil. Well, especially in the entertainment industry, because what people think is kind of vital to how well you do in that industry. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. I'd love to see there. There's no other industry. Where hard work and determination means less, right? Because I could—I mean, I could tell you—I can guarantee you. There's a lot of people, men and women, right now that are listening, that are actors that are crazy talented and work their ass off, and they're going nowhere. Hmm. The entertainment—my wife's an actress, and I see it firsthand. There's no other industry where, like I said, you could have it. You could be great. You could work hard. You could do all the things. If that one person doesn't notice you and then get three other people to agree that you're the right person for that gig. It, I mean, it's, it's just so many outside factors that are totally outside of your control. Yeah. And you just got to give up, you know, you, you got to give up to the fact that you resign to the fact that you really don't control your own fate. And that that's tough. Yeah. That's tough. So you, 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 it, it's extra important that you realize what people think about you really isn't important, but. Don't get it twisted. It is as far as your level of success, you know, yeah. but, but on a psychological, on a, on a much more cosmic level, you know, you're right. It's, it, I think people get wrapped up in, well, what is everybody going to think about this? But then I wonder within, to get into like the deeper creative stuff, if you have that mask of what, what are they going to think? I wonder if that somehow like stifles your ability to get into some of the stuff that might be, you know, the real revolutionary type Mm-hmm. creative work maybe you know? I, I am Ricky Gervais was a, a guest on Love Line once and he told me something I'll never forget well, we were off the air at a commercial break and, and um, I said you know dude I hate to be this guy but I'm someone who wants to be creative for a living and, and I try to be funny is there any any advice you can give me and he said no matter what no matter what you can't write for what you think they want you gotta write what you believe in right you got to, if it doesn't matter if you think that this is going to kill, I know this room, I, this isn't my A game, but I'll write this because I think they will laugh. Yeah. You have to write what you truly think is funny and you got to stick to it because once you start writing for them, you're sunk. Yeah. And I was, you know, that, that always stuck with me. Yeah. I, I don't know if he's right or wrong, but certainly his, uh, I mean, his career speaks for itself. Right. Yeah, it seems like if you if you get lost in just doing it for other people, it becomes like a form of prostitution in a way. Mm-hmm. 
you know, whereas if you can keep it within the, another Bhagavad Gita reference, as it talks about, by if you're following, if you're in alignment with your passion, they essentially relate that passion, your purpose, your calling, whatever, to God. You know, so we all kind of have this, this like hotline up to God, this plugged up to God. And it's that, that inner kind of like stomach rumbling drive. Right. And if you're doing that, then you're like, you're plugged into it. And as you start to deviate away from that, now all of a sudden you, you kind of come off of the, the source and that's when you start getting all yeah. jacked up. And it's hard, man. It's hard. Now it's easier social, said than done. Social media has made it infinitely harder because yeah. now we're all beholden to what people think, you know, looking at those comments and. Yeah, uh, but uh, but it's true. I mean, Jack White said the same thing too. I remember in an interview, he he was on either Love Line or the Kevin and Bean Show, but he was Jack White was talking about like I I gotta write the songs I think are good songs. I can't get into like what the label guy thinks is gonna be a hit or because then you're you're sunk. You know, I had to just stay stay the course and do what I thought was right. You know? Yeah, um, you gotta take off out of here kind of soon. We'll only do like like. 30 minutes or so. What, what time you say you got to be out here by like four is the max? Four, four is probably my, yeah. my limit. Yeah. What do you call for? So with hosting a show, what are some like standout qualities that a good host needs to have? Man. Um, I would say look them in the eye proverbially, obviously because you're looking into a camera yeah, or, right. or a microphone and, yeah. and, and speak from the heart. Mm. it's it's a it's an incredibly difficult thing to do it just it took me so long to get there i mean i i can't even watch myself on tv radio a little easier it's a little it's it, uh, there's something naturally authentic about radio in comparison yeah but um i can't even watch because i, I you get mixed up in this idea of the the image of what you're putting out as opposed to just being yourself and trying to be yourself um, it's hard enough in life, but trying to be yourself on TV, <laughs> yeah. it's a mess, you know, it's a mess. And so that would be my, own. the reason like people like to shit on Ryan Seacrest, you know, but the reason he's so awesome at what he does, the reason he has the career he does because he's beyond Ryan Seacrest really is that guy. He wants to chat it up about American Idol and and hear about like uh, your hometown and where you come from. He's that dude. He's always been that dude. He wanted to be that guy, and and he does it well. It's very authentic to him, you know. And it's the same reason that Howard Stern's Howard Stern. He he doesn't really doesn't mind getting the biggest stars in the world and asking them how big their breasts are because that's him. Right. Fourteen year old Howard Stern is the same guy as six year old Howard Stern. He's just he's looking through, looking dead into someone's eyes and just being himself and speaking from the heart and. That's, you know, that's the key. I always say, uh, to me, the best that I'll ever live, you know, was Letterman, Stern, and Oprah. And if you look at all those three, they were just invariably authentic. Their mm. whole their whole career, they were just themselves. Letterman had no problem just being like, I hate my job. This is <laughs> terrible. But uh, this next guest, he's a dope. All right, let's bring him out. It's uh, you know, reality star fill in the blank. Yeah. And he you know, he wasn't doing the schmaltzy thing. It just wasn't him. He was Mr. Dry sarcastic prick and he had, he was like that when he was a 21-year-old weather guy in Indianapolis and he was like that when he was retired. I think it also you you're able to maintain the energy to keep going if you're genuine. Yeah. You know, it's like the second you get out of that genuine, your genuine self, then all of a sudden it's like you're going against the grain or like the winds in your face kind of. Right, right. But as long as you're in there, you're kind of like, okay, I'll just get blown by that. Well, I, I've noticed it. I just got in, I've got in stand-up. I've only been doing it 
I'm an absolute beginner. And by that, I mean, I'm maybe a year and a half, two years in, um, and that's, that's nothing in the world of stand up. Right. Um, and that's made me see that, you know, that idea with such clarity because if I get up there and I bomb when I'm doing material that I think is really me, that I'm just trying to be myself, I don't mind. Wow. I mean, it's like, you know, listen, the greatest in the world bomb. They're working out material. When I go up there, even if I get chuckles, when I'm trying to be maybe like extra dirty or go for the low hanging fruit, even if I get the laughs, I go, I, you know, but I didn't, that wasn't really me. I was, you know, I kind of, I kind of sold out on that and, and it feels yeah. bad. It, it feels worse. feels uh, worse than getting no laughs. Huh. How do you prep for stand up? Right, right, right. I know a lot of people like they have, I, I, I'm certainly not like the best person asking because I'm such a, such an abject, abject beginner. Um, maybe the best person for maybe, that reason. Maybe, but to maybe. me, it's just like, I, I feel like if the material's there, meaning like you've done the work, you've done the hard work, that's the best way to prepare. Cause yeah. going up there and performing, if that was hard, you wouldn't be doing it. You obviously you have something inside you that likes the spotlight. So the hard work, the, the, the discipline comes from making sure you write, 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 write. So if I, if I know that I've done that, um, and I've got like a tight seven, 12 minutes, whatever it is, then that's the best preparation for me. Nice. Wanted to take a quick moment to thank the Align Band for supporting this podcast. Align Band is a rad self-care product created by yours truly. I use it with every one of my clients, uh, friends, family. I take it with me anytime I go on any type of traveling trip. Uh, highly recommend getting a resistance band in your life, even if it is not the Align Band. Uh, get yourself a resistance band. This guy comes with a door anchor, a traveling case, so you can hang it up on any hotel door, uh, car door, anywhere. And then you have a band hanging, so you can start mobilizing, opening up your hips, Open up shoulders, open up the ankles, lengthening your neck. Whatever you got to do, you can do it with the Align Band. Um, you can find it at aligntherapy.com slash gear. That's aligntherapy, A-L-I-G-N, therapy.com slash gear. It's also on Amazon, all those different places. Thank you so much for swooping that thing up, if you are called. And I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. Yeah, you do a really good job with... Um your craft, man, it's cool. Like I, I heard you talking, I think on maybe Burt Kreischer's or somebody's podcast, but t- like talking about the craft of hosting and the craft of like really putting yourself into that oh, role. You're yeah, saying thank like, you, man. Yeah, like people end up being like an Instagram, you know, underwear model yeah. celebrities turned host or whatever. But actually, that being the craft. And really I'm not, thing. I'm not going to disparage those people. That's not what I mean by this. I, I want to make it very clear. I'm not going to shit on someone because they were a model and they got hired, be, or they were a, a su- an actress, and they got hired to become a host of fill in the blank show. Yeah, that's just that's circumstance, and good for them. But there, there used to that used to be a job. The idea of host, that is a gig in and of itself. And I feel feel like a lot of times people now, because of the, people have 13 million Instagram followers, they're like, that's the guy. Right. That's the guy we need to hire. And I was like, no, no, no. It's a craft. Learning how to do it well and, and really putting the effort in, you know, it's something I took very seriously. I started to take very seriously about a decade ago. And, you know, we'll see if, we'll see if it pays off. Mother of God. That's who's on the phone? <laughs> <laughs> That's the mother of Lord right there. Um, that's terrible. Um, oh, sorry about that. No problem. Son of a bitch. You think it's still rolling? 
Um, I don't know. It's okay. okay. We're, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here in a jiffy okay. anyway. Um, well, cool, dude. I'd love to get another time. I'd love to keep. I'd love to learn about like diet and movement and ketosis and all that stuff. At uh, some let's point. do it. I'm I'm about uh, four and a half minute drive from you. So perfect. <laughs> and you surf kind of sort of. Yeah, I do. I surf <laughs> like I, you know. I may be a coot, but I surf. I can say that. I can Good. say you know. And I know a lot of people like. They carry a board around. They say, like, I surf. No, I surf. Yeah. I may be a kook, but yeah. I surf. You get up to Breakwater? Yeah. Good. I got married there. Nice. I know. Venice Breakwater. Yeah. That's where my wife that's and I a just grun- out, That's a grungy, rad, amazing place to get married. It pretty much was. It was <laughs> and it was, it was very real. You know, like, that's getting back to the authentic. It just felt very us, man. <laughs> Dude, that's legit. Yeah. Was so just like out in the crowd? Yeah, about maybe 10 friends. My, my parents, her parents, her mother, her father had passed. Why'd you choose there? That's awesome. My wife and I both mutually, exclusively, were living in Venice when we met. Right. Like it was just a coincidence. I and you know when I went to pick her up on our first date, I was like, "Where do you live?" Uh, she's like, "Oh, in Venice." I was like, "No way. Where? I live in Venice." And she's like, "Oh, right by the canals." I was like, "No fucking way!" <laughs> and I, you know, t- totally unbeknownst to <laughs> both of us, we lived like a hundred yards from each other. Cool. So we were we got super invested in like the neighborhood and, and it just seemed so right. And, uh, it turned out, I mean, we were getting married and it was just a, it was a, like a small group of us and dolphins start popping out of the water perfect. right as we're about to say, I do. And it's the whole thing seems so perfect. You know, cool. it all worked out. I like that. I think people get too wrapped up in like the magic needing to be somewhere in Tibet or in like France or something like yeah. that. That's all bullshit. I mean, there's, there's magical places and it is nice to change your location. But if you're trying to meditate or something like that, you don't need to go to the other side of Earth. It's really, it's really a, a beautiful testament to humanity, too. Like, we were walking up. You know, my wife's like in this wedding dress on the beach. You know, <laughs> uh, I'm in a tuxedo, a barefoot within a tuxedo. Um, and we're all getting, like the homeless people come over and tell us congratulations That's and stuff. Great. You know, it's like, so you, it's just such a testament to humanity. Like, the idea of this big, uh, over-the-top expensive wedding, nothing wrong with that. A lot of people have really enjoyable experiences with yeah. those weddings. But the idea that we had that kind of... We almost rolled up our sleeves and got our hands around a human experience. You know? I like it. So it was nice. That's cool, man. Thanks, man. People probably don't need to... I mean, people probably know where to, where to find you. Your show's a pretty popular thing in the world. But how do people learn more about your stuff? What's, what's Swole next? Patrol Podcast yeah. with Dr. Drew. I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to promote that. I believe in it. I, I think that like in a world, obviously... There's a lot of health and fitness-based podcasts, but I, you know, we do do something different. We have a real, actual physician sitting there giving the scientific side of it, and there's 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 comedy. It it doesn't take itself too seriously. So the Swole Patrol podcast, if you're into that, and uh, at Mike Catherwood on Instagram and, and Twitter. Boom. So thanks, man. Thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate appreciate the time. Hope that knee sorts sorts itself out. I how's think how's the knee feeling right now? Feeling good, man. Yes. Feeling good. <laughs> podcast thank you guys so much for tuning into that conversation i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did some ways that you can support this podcast one of which you can pick up an aligned band which is a heavy duty resistance band comes along with a door anchor and a carrying case and a video guide on how to mobilize those joints and integrate that body of yours really great stuff you can be found at aligntherapy.com and also on amazon.com um thank you also so much for 
utilizing the Amazon affiliate link on the right-hand sidebar of the podcast page. Bookmark that thing. Anytime you purchase some crap on Amazon, purchase that crap. Through that link, we get a percentage of it. costs you nothing. And I think that's enough. Thank you guys so much for reviews on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Pow.